Digital Consciousness Radio, where we aspire, we desire, we conspire and delight in the delicious words of human awareness, driving it deep into the hearts of every being, whether it be in our business lives, our personal lives, or even our conscious lives, and perhaps giving you a hmm moment that just makes you stop and think about the world that it is that we live in today. Digital Consciousness Radio, digitally enhancing humanity. Welcome to uh, Digital Consciousness TV, keeping uh, digitally enhancing humanity. And, uh, and so these series, you would have seen some of our past interviews with some of the greatest leaders around the world, like your Dr. John Martinez, Don Miguel Ruiz, uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton, some amazing leaders. And today we are speaking to another amazing leader from the HeartMath Institute. And if you haven't tuned into the HeartMath Institute at all, uh, you need to, <laughs> because this is really one of those... Uh, Organisations and institutions have been going since uh, it, was, it was it was established by Dr. Um, Childre. I think it was uh, Dr. Yeah, Doc Childre. I say Dr. But Doc Childre um, in 1991. And uh, basically, this this institute looks at the science, the intelligence of the heart, the intelligence that goes behind the heart, and how the heart actually is the neurocenter, if you like, for signal, signaling to the brain, and how that impacts on an electromagnetic field way but also as to how we actually um, interrelate and start to shift uh, feelings of stress and overwhelm and then how do we also then project that out into affecting and and impacting uh, a more sustainable and peaceful human family and it's all all scientifically based and it's beautifully beautifully done and uh, some of their work you may have seen in some of the movies the power of the heart uh, they, they they cover off on the uh, on the science of the heart and the intuition um, and the power of intuition and the scientific backing behind uh, how our bodies are able to and hearts are able to react six seconds before we actually see a particular random image and, and how that interrelates with, um, with practical intuition and then how that translates into, say, a business environment or in, the, in, in practical intuition, as they call it. Uh, and so today I'm going to be talking to Howard Martin. He is also the, he's the uh, vice president um, of the, uh, the Heart Math Institute. He's also the co-author of the book called... Let me just double check. The Heart Math Solution is what it's called, and also the new book called Heart Intelligence. Now, it was such a joy to interview uh, Howard, and he is also, um, you know, a, a definite conscious business leader, um, bringing about change on a massively global scale, uh, with bringing together and bridging that that science and and the heart, and how do we bring about a practical solution, and also um, tap into the power of our heart's intelligence and what that means for us on an individual level, but then also on a global level. So uh, if you do enjoy this interview, I do uh, always ask our community to share the love with your tribe because this is an amazing, amazing free resource that you get access to, to be able to um, feed your mind with new information for things that, uh, that you may not have learned before and you may not have heard before. And then that in part starts to change the way in which you show up in the world and how you choose to be in the world. And that's the ripple effect that we have here. So if you do enjoy this, please do share the video with your tribe. Also make sure that you uh, keep an eye on what other interviews are coming up. Uh, and you can do that by following me on Facebook at Tenille Bentley. Uh, and make sure that you uh, check us out, T-E-N-I-L-L-E, -L -L -E, Bentley. Uh, but I will um, give you the links and uh, everything in the uh, fields below. So enjoy this interview with Howard Martin. He is an amazing, insightful leader, conscious business leader in bringing the hearts of the world together 
and, uh, and tying that in with science as to how we can actually bring about change on a fundamental scale, global scale. Uh, very exciting. So um, if you want to check out their stuff, it's heartmath.com or heartmath.org. Uh, so check that information out. All right, guys, uh, until then, I will chat to you soon. Enjoy the interview. Please let me know what you, what you think and what you got out of it. Much love. So, yeah, so welcome, Howard. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm fine, Tineo. I'm doing well. Thank you very much. And a pleasure to have a time, time to just chat with you today. And for everybody who's listening, I hope that the, you wish you all well, for starters, and that you find something meaningful in the conversation that Tineo and I are going to have. Yeah, beautiful. And there, there are so many things, I'm sure, when it comes to the matters of the heart that, uh, that there are, you, you probably have heard it all <laughs> in, your, in your many years of research. But the first sort of one that I really want to sort of, that, that I suppose, I was personally drawn to was the great mystery of the heart. So the heart is that beautiful metaphorical reference point that we turn to in life. And, and for example, it's the reference where we see the heart is the first organ to draw the best blood from the body and giving the remaining to the rest of the body in order to sustain life throughout the yeah. entire ecosystem of the body. Um, but this particular metaphor relates to how it is important for our lives to fill ourselves up first before we give the overflow to everybody else in order to sustain um, and provide the best of ourselves to the human family. <laughs> so it's interesting behind that metaphor for me lays like a deeper question um, about where does this all begin? Why, um, it, it, you know, it's the heart, heart's greatest mystery that I think still baffles scientists today is to what triggers that first heartbeat. <laughs> you know, and I think for many years, you know, when, we, when, we, um, when we've come into being and for many years for you in the study of the science of, the, of heart intelligence, what has been your best conclusion theory around what is that moment where the heart beats and gives us life? Um, what do you think that is? Well, you're right. Scientists today, even with the sophistication that we have in so many areas, still does not know exactly how that happens. You know, mm. why does the heart begin to beat in the body before there's even a brain? You know, yeah. and it's the first sign of life that we have, and the heart, as a physical organ, performs flawlessly from birth to death. And so, how how does that happen? The answer that I would have is a sort of a wide answer. It would, it would be that it's where uh, what I would call generically, I use the term where spirit begins to merge with humanness. Yeah. When, wherever it is that, you know, it's a part of creation that, you know, brings life to everything uh, on our planet and beyond. It's when the spirit connects with us that the heart triggers and these little pacemaker cells begin to beat, you know, rather mm -hmm. magically and the heart begins to beat in form. I know that's not a, a linear answer, certainly a very unscientific answer, mm -hmm. but it's the best one I have uh, to yeah. explain something thing that is at this point unexplainable through empirical understanding so yeah do you think it'll always be the case that, um, when we look at how i suppose science has progressed over the years and how you know we tend to we, we get it wrong here we get it wrong there but we get it right here and we get it right there and we, we're, we're slowly evolving into this this understanding i suppose of the, the great understanding of consciousness I wonder yeah. where to after that, once we hit that precipice point, or once we hit that point where we've really um, discovered what it is and, and science, been able to scientifically put what it is we already know to be into, into a scientific understanding. I wonder what, what do you yeah. think? What's an, what would well, I be think it would be, be interesting to know why the heart starts to beat, but I think it's really, it gets, to understand that, I think we have to do, uh, do exploration on, on consciousness, mm. uh, the exploration of what is consciousness and all of that, what is spirit. You know, These are big questions. Uh, mm. Even if you look up the definition of consciousness in a dictionary, it's very <laughs> undefined. You know, yeah. I, see, I see consciousness as some immensely vast field of information beyond our conceptual framework. Yeah. Uh, and we draw from that information field through the senses that we have and how we are using those senses uh, to create 
our version of reality. Mm. So we're only seeing a very, very small slice of what is because mm. we're, you know, we have, we're human beings and we have a, a limitation in our sensory apparatus. Yeah. But I think that we are learning as a global society and as people yeah. to learn how to tap into more of that uh, universal source of information and draw more of it into our daily awareness. Mm. And that's part of the shift in how we're living that's it's evident to me today yeah. is that we are living very differently, even in the midst of this chaos and confusion that we see. <laughs> uh, there's a new, uh, a new human emerging, is, one that yeah. puts uh, the qualities and values of the heart more at the forefront of how we think, how we feel, mm-hmm. how we act and how we react and how we co- collaborate and communicate with each other. And I think that's uh, an example of what we're drawing. We're yeah. drawing in something a bit different now, not the same old logical, linear intelligence that have gotten us this far, which I value and respect. Mm. But now something else is happening, a more intuitive, yeah, high-speed intelligence. It's happening, and it affects everything that we do, including business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and I think it's almost like it's, it's, it is a it, when we look at it, it's a really exciting time to be alive. Like we're right in the we're we're, we're far more advanced than we've ever been. Um, uh, you know, um, before, and it's uh, it really is an exciting and scary. <laughs> it's yeah, the paradox sure. of the both. Um, but I want the next sort of thing that I wanted to talk to, which is the 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 languaging that you guys use as well around heart coherence. And um, through the education of the human body, we've been sort of steered towards understanding that the brain is like the mothership that runs the signals and signals and tells our body what to do. However, it is in fact, as you say, that the, the heart sends the signals to the brain which then trigger the chemistry in the brain throughout the entire body and it's said that there's um, an optimal coherent signal at 0.10 hertz which is when the brain releases that healing chemistry to the body which basically results in that um, that that state of calmness so how do we begin to bring ourselves into that optimal state and is it sustainable in a, in a, it's sustainable slash realistic to always remain in that state given our environment, the external environments mm-hmm. that we're faced with and the d- diversity of experiences that we actually encounter. Well, let me answer the question. It's a very complex question. Let me give you an answer for all that. Mm. First of all, the heart and brain work together. Yes, the brain is this amazing organ that interprets and sorts and stores and does amazing things. It's not like the heart is better than the brain. Mm. I think what we have brought to the world is that the brain does not operate independently, as you described. Mm -hmm. It's getting information from the body, and one of its primary sources of information is, in fact, signals coming from the physical heart. Because what the heart really is, beyond just being a cardiovascular organ, is it's an information processing center in the body, mm-hmm. sending and receiving important information to the brain and throughout the rest of the system. Mm-hmm. So as the information changes, things like brain function and other parts of the body begin to function differently. Uh, so when heart, brain, body communication is operating at an optimal level, that's when we enter this state called coherence, a term you just introduced. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Coherence is a state that is highly aware. It's a very calm yet balanced, but it's not a sleepy time state. It's you know it's got dynamics to it. Yeah. Uh, it is a state where um, all the body systems are synchronized to an organized rhythmic beating pattern of the heart, and that means it's healthier. Mm-hmm. That means that it's more efficient. Less energy is being wasted. It affects things like visual field, reaction speed, time, and certainly higher brain function. It's also a state that is triggered by us feeling a positive or heart-related emotional state, a renewing emotion. An example of that would be when we are appreciating life rather than complaining about it, Mm -hmm. we're naturally going to be operating more coherently. When we are 
having compassion for someone rather than judging the hell out of them, mm -hmm. we're going to be more coherent. You know, mm -hmm. it's that kind of an approach. Now, uh, so the, the positive emotion is what triggers it. And then once we're in that coherent state, those type of emotions and feelings sort of flow. They become more prevalent mm -hmm. in what we do. And so the coherent state is both psychological and it's physiological. Now, we vary through the course of a day, a week, a month, and how coherent we are. You know, I, I go through modulations, and I'm sure most people do during the course of the day. I can start out with my very best intentions, and I do my hard work in the morning, and I go into the to all the things that I do. And it can be some things are challenging, and some things are a bit more stressful. And you know, in the middle of the day, I can find that I'm not really thinking in the same way that I did earlier. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. so, so the goal is is that we don't walk around in some absolute state. The coherence mm -hmm. itself is not absolute. Mm. What we learn to do through whatever practices we do, we learn to increase our coherence baseline. Mm -hmm. Where's our natural state of coherence and can it go up and can it go up some more so that we are more naturally in that state? And then when we find ourselves stressed or overwhelmed or out of that state, the road back is shorter mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because the baseline has been increased. Mm -hmm. So tools and techniques like we have at HeartMath and our technology are all designed to help people train themselves to increase the coherence baseline. Mm -hmm. Other systems do that as well, other methodologies, other practices that people have. All of those things help and add up. Uh, our terminology for what takes place is that a coherence increase occurs. Yeah. It could be explained other ways as well. Yeah, beautiful. And so so with the coherence state, I, I, I know that there's some simple techniques, if you like, as to, as to how, how do we reach that and, and some exercises around that. Would you be able to share what, uh, what would be a really simple one that our, our watchers yeah. could take away with them? Yeah, absolutely. I'll do one with everyone right now. And mm -hmm. if people would like to, they can close their eyes. It's, mm -hmm. It sometimes helps. You can do this technique, <laughs> eyes open or eyes closed. Mm -hmm. It's called the quick coherence technique because it gets you into coherence quickly. Mm -hmm. So we're not that creative with creative with names here, but yeah, it gets you to coherence quickly. So the first, there are three steps, and I'll take everyone through the three steps now. The first step is simply to focus your attention here in the center of your chest, the area of the heart. Mm -hmm. You can just feel like the energy from the the brain and the head sort of draining down into the area in the center of the chest. Now with your attention there, what I'd like everyone to do is to breathe naturally and normally, but a little deeper than you normally would. So good, nice, deep breaths. And as you breathe, I want you to imagine as if the breath is actually flowing in and out through the area of the heart. This is called heart focused breathing. Now continue doing that heart-focused breathing, and I want you to now add the third and most important step. I'd like you to activate a regenerative and renewing feeling. It could be something like just a feeling of appreciation for the good things you have in your life. Or maybe just feel the love or the care you have for someone or something in your life, a person, a pet, a place. Any emotion or feeling like that, renewing emotion, and just feel that emotion gently, not forcing it, as best you can, while you continue to do heart-focused breathing. Nice deep breaths, imagining your breath is flowing in and out through the area of the heart. Just keep doing that, and I'll explain what's happening inside your body right now as we do this. First of all, it's synchronizing 
the autonomic nervous system, which influences about 90% of all the body's functions, is synchronizing that important nervous system. That's a lot of times what breathing exercises do. When you add the emotional quality, what's also happening is you're releasing hormones into your body that regenerate you, like more DHEA or more oxytocin. Mm. That's renewing you. The signals from heart going back to brain are now opening up the brain. They're activating more of the higher perceptual centers in the brain, executive decision-making centers. All those centers are now becoming more active and alive as you bring that system into that coherent state. And that's what's happening in your body. Emotionally, what you're doing is you're imprinting your own emotional field with a different type of emotion. And in turn, that's creating a different reflection of life back to you. Hmm. Meaning that when we see life, for example, through the eyes of appreciation, life does look different. Every scenario looks different. And so you're imprinting that emotional field as you do that. And so in addition to that, I'll take it one more level. That coherent state is a place we find inside ourselves that can receive more of that spirit, the term mm -hmm. I used earlier that I referred to in the beginning of our conversation. So now more spirits able to integrate with their humanness. And all that happens by simply slowing down, stopping, focusing mm -hmm. in the area of your heart. Imagine your breath is flowing through that area as you breathe deeply and then activate a renewing emotion like appreciation, care, love, compassion. And all that happens instantaneously mm -hmm. inside the body. So we do that consistently through the day, like when we wake up in the morning or then when things get a little stressful or in the evening before we interact with others or before we go to bed. And you do that some, what happens is, is your baseline begins to shift. You become more naturally coherent. And to me, it's a great skill to have in this era of high-speed change we live in. Mm. Is to be able to, to get to that state and then return to it more easily and then navigate all the complexities, all the ups, all the downs, all the emotional reactions, all the challenges, all the surprises, all the great joyous things that happen and all the things that upset us. And, you know, you find your balance in all that. Mm. And that's just one simple technique that any of us can do on the go. You can do it eyes open. You can do it eyes closed. You can drive it in your car. You can do it before a meeting. I would would, was doing it just for a couple of minutes before our interview tonight, just to mm -hmm. shake off all that other activity from the day, all the thoughts going on about business and <laughs> interviews and recording and travel and, you know, all the stuff that I have and just get to that place inside where I can be the best I can be for you and for everyone who's taken their time to, to listen to our conversation and watch us. Mm, beautiful. Wow. That's fantastic. I already feel different. <laughs> I love it. Um, and so, so with the, um, you know, the, the coherent state. The question I had around oh, that popped up into my head was, so that, seeing that the heart is the strongest bioelectrical and magnetic field generator in our bodies, the heart's 5,000 mm. times as as powerful magnet, ma magnetically than the brain. Well, is that right? The better term is like 40 to 60 more t powerful. So right. You can look at watts and things and come up with that number, but it's 40 to 60 more powerful than the second most powerful source electrically, yeah. which is the brain. Right. So the heart, to your point, is the strongest source of bioelectricity in our body by far. By far, yeah. So when we reach this, this coherent state mentioned before through the technique that you shared, um, being in that optimus, optimal state, if we say encounter a, an aggressive or frustrated emotion that say comes up or something comes up for us or we're experiencing that around us and then we sort of sit in a space where we're trying to convince ourselves to be calm but we may not really be feeling it <laughs> and we're kind of yeah. trying to convince ourselves and, and if that's the case then our heart's sending the signal to our brain. How do we know if we're truly in a state of coherence versus suppressing an emotion? 
Well, that's a really good question. Yeah. What I've always felt and what HeartMath has always put out to the world is that we don't want to, don't want to suppress emotions. You want to mm. acknowledge them. Mm. But then you want to shift them. You know, making quicker shifts, making better emotional choices sooner is really important right now. The good news is, is that's part of the, the evolution of us. We have the ability to do that easier now than before. Mm-hmm. And yeah, certain emotions are going to linger. They're going to drain us. We're going to have an upset about something. And it's going to not just go away and poof because we sat there and did a little hard work. You know, mm-hmm. it takes a little consistency. But if you do it with meaningfulness and you add the inner maturity that we already have, that many of the people in the world today have already cultivated, and you just bring that in, you add it to it, and you add the, the meaningfulness to what you do, you can be surprising at how you can move these emotions out. Mm. So I call it resetting. You know, you're resetting okay. your system or rebooting your system. And I know the game that happens inside of myself. You know, and I'll describe that. You know, yeah. it's just similar to what you said. I'll have a trigger, so I'll say, "Okay, wait a minute. You know, I'm better than this. You know, I'm gonna mm-hmm. like, you know, shift this, and I'll do it, and I'll get to a certain point where it begins to release, and then the yeah, but start. You know, <laughs> rationalizations. You know, the reasons why I should feel this way or supposed to feel that way. At that point, I could say, "Well, if I don't feel them, then I'm suppressing, and I can go ahead and let them out, and all the anger, all the, that emotion comes out, and then it just depletes me." And why would I want that? So I'd rather like say, okay, I've acknowledged this. I'm not ignoring it. I'm mm-hmm. not saying it's not there. Yeah. But I'm I'm going to transform that emotion now. I'm going to use my heart. I'm going to use my own maturity. I'm going to use my intelligence, and know that I've seen this movie many times. <laughs> you know, why watch it again? You know, I know the play out that's yeah. going to happen. So I make one more effort, right? Yeah. And so it releases another level. And then I watch myself and I watch myself. Okay, that was good. You know, you've gotten it back together and you feel much better now. And then I'll watch it. will come back again. Interesting. It'll keep, keep. But yeah. if I stay with it and if I stay with it for just a little while, what will happen is, is it'll eventually clear itself. Now, I didn't ignore it. I didn't suppress it. Mm-hmm. I shortened the time mm. that it was draining me. Yeah. It got to a place where I was me more renewed mm-hmm. so it's about time shortening uh, one of the the measuring sticks i've always had for myself about my own growth was not that i'm trying to get it right or get it perfect or not be human mm-hmm. it's how much time do i spend in certain states that i know are not beneficial mm-hmm. so the way i would see it is something that might have upset me for a week now upsets me for a day mm-hmm. something that used to upset me for a day now upsets me for an hour mm-hmm. something that may have me for an hour only upsets me for a few minutes you know you see it begins to shorten the cycle And as you do that, you stay in an upward moving spiral. Mm -hmm. In other words, your consciousness, your life, the things that you're drawing into your life, all of that continues to grow and spiral up rather than being down and, 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 you know, and and processing all that. As as listeners may hear, I have an American Southern accent. (laughs) And so in the South, a guy told me one time, he said, if you ever find, you know, he was talking about, you know, trying to get out of negative thoughts, but Mm -hmm. in his own simple term, he said, if you ever find yourself in a hole and you want to get out, the first thing you need to do is stop digging. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we keep digging these holes, you know, yeah. and it gets worse and worse until we finally it finally resolves. So what I try to do is to shorten the cycle. I don't want to stuff any emotion. I am not don't yeah. want to just say, oh, I'm fine and just go, you know, yeah. and when I know I'm not, which is what you addressed, yeah. very vulnerable. Yeah. So you be vulnerable with yourself and you address it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other aspect of that that I'll share with you and listeners, and this is this is one that can sound hard to do, and in some ways it is, but we we have the capacity now to get really good at this one, mm-hmm. and that's not to over personalize it. 
you know, and say, okay, so, wow, that was interesting. That really affected me. That upset me. But then instead of going into judgment of myself and going into the bad, going, gosh, you know, why do I do this? Mm. You know, all that. And just say, wait a minute. You kind of laugh at yourself. You can kind of get objective about it, you know, mm -hmm. and you can make a little bit of lightness of it and say, just move on now. Don't keep digging the hole. Don't give into self-judgment. Just mm -hmm. go on with your life. And, and that's a, an example of the kind of inner shifts that we have the ability to pull off, mm. but we don't get that ability, I don't think, from just going here. We can't mm. think our way through it. We have to use this. We yeah. have to use our own best friend here to help us through. Yeah, beautiful. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. That's great. Great answer to that question. Um, so the, the the topic of the heart as well, whilst, we, whilst we're talking about this, is one that I think that um, – well, all of us experience, which is heartbreak, <laughs> and in our lives in some form, we have, uh, you know, that moment where we can feel that physical stab <laughs> in the chest, and it bring, can bring us to our knees, and sometimes we go through those phases where we feel we can't breathe, and we're just asking, why does this actually physically hurt so much? Um, mm -hmm. and for me, I sort of came to the conclusion that it's because the heart is like a muscle, like any other part of the body, and it needs to have its growth. And in order for it to grow, it needs to break out of that pre-existing shell in which it exists. And so it can be said that it is the heartbreak is said to be an important component of our evolution. But the question remains is why, <laughs> why it comes yeah. in this form. And if the heart is a conscious organ, um, has heart math come across any sort of cellular memory? And if so, if there is evidence of, say, a coherent state that can remove heartache or emotional trauma? Well, I think, you know, we're all going to go through, as we go through life, there'll be times in our life when we'll feel what you call heartache. And mm -hmm. to me, that's a part of the game of life. That we, mm -hmm. It's part of our own maturation process. But we don't always have to have that to learn. It doesn't need to be repeated all the time. Mm. Uh, the feeling that we have sometimes of attention and all, it could be very well just the muscles around the heart that contract a bit when we feel that, you called it a stab. Mm. Also, the heart has a nervous system. Right. It's the most, next to the brain, it's the most complex part of the nervous system we have. So that nervous system can be triggering in there too. So you feel this sort of physical tension in this area. And, then some, and sometimes it hurts. It feels like the heartbreak. But let me say this. Um, the part of our heart that gets broken is the part that's caught up in its own attachments, expectations, and, and, and that kind of aspect of mm. things. The deeper heart that we have never breaks. It's always there. It never goes away. There's a deeper part of ourselves, a true core of our authentic self. Mm. And that part of the heart is not only does it not break, it's what heals us. It's what brings us back out of the mm. heartbreak. Mm. So we learn to find that deeper part of ourselves and not blame it on the heart. You know, there's yeah. a certain aspect of heart that gets broken, but usually that's our, our own projections, stories, our own yeah. attachments, our yeah. own, you know, our own story, our own drama that we build into it. Yeah. And yeah, that stuff gets broken. Yeah. And we've all had those experiences in life. You know, we certainly have, and I've had them and, yeah. and I understand. And so uh, I have a lot of compassion for that and for what people go through in the broken heart. Yeah. So my message to everyone who's listening says, yeah, that happens. And, but don't feel like you're you're alone, mm. and know that there's a deeper part of yourself that never gets broken. It's a strong part of yourself. It's where your dignity comes from. It's where your nobility comes from. It's where that real you lives, and you, over time, can make contact with that again. And when you do, then you move out of that heartache and you move on into life, and you move on as a better person as a result of it. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> I love it. So now on to the. Um 
something that I came across was, I don't know what your take on this is, but the Schumann resonance. Um, and for our listeners, the Schumann resonance is, is said to be a set of spectrum peaks that uh, are in an extremely low frequency portion of the Earth's electromagnetic field spectrum. And the Schumann resonance um, are global electromagnetic um, resonances generated by um, ex- or, or, and excited by lightning discharges in the cavity formed by the Earth's surface in the ionosphere. So do you think there is one relating your, your take on the Schumann resonance? Because at the moment it's said to be at the highest that it's ever been at. And do yeah. you think that there is a direct connection between these electromagnetic frequencies that come from our heart and the impact of the frequency of the Earth? Absolutely. We know for a fact, I mean, some of our heart mass research, which we haven't talked about, mm. is way beyond heart and brain body research. Now, we know that. Mm. We've done that for 25 years. What we research now is that, and, and by the way, I'm not a scientist. We have mm. wonderful, brilliant scientists on mm. our staff. I'm a, a, a longtime heart math person, one of the people that's been here since the beginning, author, speaker, business yeah. guy, you know. Yeah. But science is always a part of what we do. But let me say this. The research we do today is understanding the interconnectivity between all living systems. Mm. And that includes the relationship that we have to the Earth's fields, human resonances, which are part of, like you said, ionosphere and geomagnetic field, how they impact us, how they impact human health and behavior. Mm-hmm. One thing we know is that some of the resonant frequencies generated by the heart and the brain are exactly in the same frequency range as those in the ionosphere particularly Schumann resonances. Okay. So there's a frequency match going on mm-hmm. between us and these energetic fields. Mm. The geomagnetic field and the ionosphere are part of the Earth as a living system. Think about them as energetic ecology. Mm-hmm. And they are protective layers around the Earth that protect us from space weather. Without these fields, nothing would live here as, as we know it. No life of any kind would be a rock yeah. without those fields. We also know, not heart math, but heart math and many, many others, and there's movies on it, books on it, scientific papers on it, it goes on and on, Mm. is that these fields are, in fact, impacting human health and behavior. And uh, that the changes occurring in these fields, a lot of those are generated by solar activity, are, in fact, impacting us. Now, we'll be publishing a study this year, Mm -hmm. which I can't say too much about because until it's published, it's what's called embargoed. But I can say that what the study will show is that we are all synchronized globally to a signal, that we are all being affected almost simultaneously by these fields or in the same time ranges. It's a study where we had hundreds of people in three different parts of the world, completely different parts, like mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia, United States, and Lithuania, wearing heart rate variability recorders for over six months. Yeah. And they were also doing flash psychometric surveys sent to them via email so we can see physiological changes occurring almost simultaneously relative to to the activity from the the fields Mm. and also similar psychological changes. Mm. So we know that there's a resonance that's going on there. The interesting question, though, Tennille, is this, is that these fields are affecting us. Is it possible that we are also affecting them? Yeah, that was my next, so that was where I was going, yeah, with, with my seven, next question. There's over 7 billion of us here. We're all yeah. generating you know, our own fields. And that's the hypothesis that we have is that that's possible. Now, yeah. it's got to be proven or disproven. Hypothesis mm-hmm. has to be very neutral. Mm. So the research studies that we have in that area are going to take a long time. Yeah, uh, it's complex research. But the hypothesis is, is, wow, you know, if they're affecting us, there's a relationship here. Mm. Could we be affecting them? And if that's true and we harness that, then we can learn to proactively affect these fields and in turn 
help people, you know, help yeah. people live more meaningful, better lives and get over their emotional hurts and their heartaches and all that stuff quicker <laughs> by energetically uh, and impacting these fields. And that's the kind of interest that we have today, uh, both from a humanistic interest and also a scientific one. Mm, gosh, that's fascinating. I'm, I'd, be, I'd be interested to read that research paper when it comes out. <laughs> be go to the, uh, we have two two parts of our organization, the, the for-profit company, yes. and then we have our non-profit. So there's HeartMath Inc., and then there's the HeartMath Institute. Mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. any of anybody listening to you included, go to the HeartMath.org website. That's the non-profit. Mm-hmm. And on the top of their banner is a research, research tab. tab. You click yeah. on that, you will see all kinds of research. You stay busy for a really long time. <laughs> there's plenty there. Also, <laughs> yeah, you can join the Global Coherence Initiative, which is an organization we put together as part of our non-profit serving the world through energetic contributions and the research okay. studies on all of the kind of things that we've been talking about the last 10 minutes or so you see those studies you see these reports you see mm-hmm. articles it's all there so go to heartmath.org become a member of global coherence initiative and then you'll be some of the first to yeah. see studies uh, like i just talked about awesome yeah i'm sure there'll be a few that will be doing that <laughs> yeah. now, now now often um what i do is i also put out to the community some questions that uh that they may have for people and i i did a live feed this morning and sort of uh talk them through what was going on in the lead up to this interview and um and some questions that came through were um I like to sort of ask you know a small handful of them so um that they that they wanted to be able to ask you so the first question was from um Steve and he said have heart math been able to set up a state where one can hold an intention of healing for another and that state being able to entertain another's heart to experience that elevated level of consciousness we do know that fields impact one another, that my field can impact the field of another and their field can impact me, et cetera. And mm. so there is an energetic exchange that occurs mm. between people at unseen levels. And we've got some interesting studies and experiments that we show. And I show those in my live show, you know, yeah. about a boy and a dog and in training heart rhythms are training with no physical contact, just the love they share. Uh, Another study done by another organization with 40 people uh, divided into groups of four set at at tables in front of uh, one of our heart rate variability devices, M-Wave Pro it's called. Mm. And they were, Three of them were trained in heart math two weeks before, and the fourth knew nothing. And the three were were told to use the technology and practice a heart-focused technique, go to a higher state of coherence, send their love and care to the fourth person. And 47% of the, of the tables, the fourth person went into higher coherence and was doing nothing. <laughs> so we know, we know these fields impact one another. So, yes, yeah, so to Steve's question, uh, any healing intention that we have can have an effect. Mm. Healing itself is very complex. There's many reasons why we have illness. Mm. And so I don't want to put it on just a healing uh, context, yeah. but I can say that we do affect one another, mm. that the more loving and caring we are, the more coherent our field is. Uh, those fields interact. And uh, it's just one way of explaining something I believe my whole adult life, which is no love is ever wasted. Yeah, it. it all counts in some way. <laughs> Yes, I think uh, I've heard I've heard uh, a great saying that's uh, love. Love will find a way. Everything else will find an excuse. <laughs> that's that's good. Yeah, Kristen, I like that. Kristen Smiles talks to that one. Um, okay, so Lisa is um, uh, from Reiki WA. She's a Reiki master, and so she had a question around uh, around found quite fascinating with the work you guys do. And her question was, how does energy, i.e., Reiki, assist in unlocking wisdom and messages of the heart? I'm not 
real familiar with Reiki. I mean, mm-hmm. certainly it's been around forever and it's big, it's popular, and I mm-hmm. know what it is, but I'm not a Reiki person or a master mm-hmm. or anything like that. I never really studied it or experienced it much. Mm-hmm. So I think that any system like Reiki or others that takes people deeper within and begins to align them more energetically and create a version of coherence, whatever that is, in those people – as I said at the beginning of our conversation, it unlocks more of that inner wisdom, that guidance, that spirit-directed flow of information. Uh, it, to me, is information that's more intuitive in nature. It's bypassing some of the normal thought processes that we go through to reach understanding. It's resulting in a, in a deeper knowingness, which you could call that wisdom, You mm-hmm. know, where you feel something and you know it, you know it to be true. And so Reiki, uh, great system for it, other systems as well that allow people to make deeper contact with themselves, mm-hmm. uh, that release an energy some way in them that's more coherent and ordered. Uh, one of the byproducts of that is going to be more infusion of an intuitive intelligence yeah. that many people could simply call wisdom. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> so um, Rodolfo also asked, uh, he, was, he was asking, can the heart be directed? Um, is it an energy or muscle slash organ like an arm that can be beckoned to lift and wave itself? Or are we um, but servants to its world, um, to its will? <laughs> well, we can certainly control the heart rhythms. Yeah. Uh, the story I'll tell is this, is the way you measure coherence is through looking at a scientific discipline called heart rate variability analysis. Mm-hmm which is measuring not just heart rate like a fitness monitor, but it's measuring the timing between heart beats. Mm-hmm. And it varies all the time, and it's supposed to. We want a lot of variability. But variability is generally was generally looked at as something that was just reactionary. Mm-hmm. Movement, speech, all of that was impacting you. Early in heart mass research, we were using heart rate variability to begin to decode this heart-brain-body communication. Mm-hmm. And along the way, we met a... a sort of the king of heart rate variability. He was a professor at Northwestern University, Dr. Donald Singer, a cardiologist at Northwestern University. He said that heart rate variability was not controllable. It was just an involuntary response. Mm. When he came and visited us, our researchers showed him real quickly that by just sitting someone in a chair and asking them to feel different emotions, that they could create changes in their heart rhythms by what they were choosing to feel. Mm. He was blown away. And that resulted in a big big win for HeartMath early on is it was Dr. Donald Singer and his influence working with our researchers to write a research paper that was published in the very prestigious journal, the American Journal of Cardiology. Mm. And that came as a result of us showing Donald Singer that heart rate variability could be changed. through our voluntary response, through our intentions and expression of emotion. So to answer uh, the man's question, yeah, you know, we can definitely change the heart rhythms. Mm. You know, the heart beats and it's doing what it's supposed to. But when we sit down and we're quiet and we do a technique like uh, the quick coherence technique, those heart rhythms change. Mm. They can go from being very erratic to very smooth and sound wake, like rolling hills. Yeah, wow. And that's what that's what coherence looks like when the heart is speeding up to a certain point, then naturally slowing down, then speeding up again. And, it's, and it looks like a rolling hill when you <laughs> see it on the uh, inner balance trainer or the M-Wave Pro. Yeah, wow, that's, that's fascinating. And so when we are in that, that, you know, when we are bringing ourselves into that state of coherence to, you know, to have that impact and change, um, are we – actually doing that like from our mind center or from our heart center when we're doing that activation? 
Well, that's, that's, you asked me the chicken and the egg question, you know, like what is it, thought mm-hmm. or heart or whatever. It's yeah. also high speed. It's, it's operating at the speed of consciousness, so it's hard to delineate that. Right. We're going to experience all of that in the brain, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to experience our thoughts and our perceptions. We're going to experience that. It's what the brain does. Mm-hmm. The question is, is where is it getting its information, you know? <laughs> and to me, it's getting a lot of it from information that's the heart is receiving and then sending to the brain at super high speed. Mm. The brain's interpreting that. That's where we experience it. That's why for a long time, brain has gotten credit for all intelligence where yeah, people think that's the only intelligent part of us. <laughs> Today, scientists know that intelligence is actually distributed throughout the entire body, right on down to the cells. The yeah. cells themselves are intelligent. Yeah. So it's a distributed, distributed intelligence. The heart plays a role in that. And the brain uh, does too. Mm. Uh, but the brain is often an interpreter mm. of information. Think about it this way. Our eyes are actually taking in information. Yep. It's the brain that's interpreting it. Yeah. But the yeah. eyes are the receptor. Mm-hmm. So maybe the heart's also a receptor, receptor. Yeah. of important information, and it sends information to the brain. The brain. Interesting, yes. And and I, I remember seeing the research that you guys did with the, you know, that, that the the ability, the intuitive ability of the heart to be able to gauge before that screen pops up with, uh, with you know, yeah. say a scary snake or a, or a bunny rabbit, that we have that little split second just before that we, that we intuitively know what our reactive response is going to be. Well, in this case, we didn't know. The yeah. body knew. The body knew, yes. The body, the body was responding six seconds before the picture came up on the screen. Mm. Uh, and and this, the computer was randomly selecting images, and it was a lot of images and a lot of repetition and all that. So it's a statistical analysis that could be done showing it wasn't, hey, we were thinking it was going to be that. Mm. But it was a really detailed and expensive study that we did, and the results are fascinating. It shows that in many cases – the body was responding to the upcoming picture six seconds before the picture actually was on the screen. And that the first responder in the body was the heart. Mm. Heart was the first part of our physiology to interpret that a picture was coming up and Mm. determine what type of picture it was going to be. So do you think that that's almost solidifying the scientific, like putting science to the the psychic world and then how people you know can tune into that have they been able to make that gap wider and be able to tune into um what's potentially coming <laughs> yeah i think there's varying degrees of what's called the psychic world i mean that's mm. just said consciousness is this vast field of information and mm. we draw from it you know and we turn that into what's called reality i think you know looking at psychic world from a generic standpoint there's a lot going on that we're just not aware of yeah. you know there's a lot of information around us that we just haven't tapped into yet and in the study you were referring to in this research summary one of the things they said and i'm paraphrasing this now mm-hmm. they said that it appears as if our body's actually doing this all the time it's scanning for future events it's scanning mm-hmm. beyond the normal confines of time and space but we're not aware of it and, it, you know, it implies that as we begin to develop ourselves over time, we'll develop this capacity and be conscious of it and then be able to apply it and use it in meaningful ways as we live our lives. Mm. And so part of what we do is that. Yeah, but I think like what's practical, motiv- practical intuition. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we call it in yes, our training programs. Yeah. It's, it's the training programs we do in organizations like corporations and healthcare systems and mm. military, police, those places where our trainers train. It's, we do a module on what's called practical intuition. And in that module, what we're saying is intuition is not mystical. Mm. It can be very practical. And that its real importance is uh, the, the nudges that it's giving us on the inside. Mm-hmm. It can be sometimes soft, sometimes loud, but it's about don't do this. You should be doing that. 
follow this path. Don't go down that one. You know, it's that kind of nudge that we get inside where it's most important. But in a practical context, let's put it in a business context for a minute. Um, hiring people. Mm. In, in the United <laughs> States, we have laws. We can't ask any personal questions in a job interview for someone. If I'm interviewing someone here at HeartMath, I can see the resume and I can look at the, their credentials and mm. I can have them in a room with me. I can't ask that person, are you married? Wow. I can't ask them, how many kids do you have? I can't ask them anything even close to, do you have any health issues? Uh, none of that. I can ask them only standard questions. Mm. So I'm looking at a person. I'm looking at a resume. I'm looking at three people and they all have great resumes yeah. who do you hire yeah that's right <laughs> so you finally have to just go with the, with you know people could call that a gut feeling gut i think feeling, i want yeah. to take it to a more refined level and call it an intuition mm-hmm. an intuition of which person is going to be best in our culture uh, which one may or may not have a lot of problems that i don't know about mm-hmm. uh, which one's going to be happier here uh, which one's going to do the best job? And you eventually have to call the shot from an intuitive perspective. Mm. And that's just one small example. Business leaders are making lots of decisions through intuition. Yeah. It's well known. Uh, and one study I saw, and I'm sorry I can't quote the name of it. It's been a long time ago. Uh, business executives were asked how they make decisions. And 70% of them said, pe- most of them said about 70% of the time they're making the final decision based on what they feel on their intuitive impulse. Mm. And a consultant <laughs> that worked with me for a long time said the best way to make business decisions is w- is through what he called informed intuition. Yes, that's nice. To get as much like get <laughs> as much information as you can. Yep. There's nothing wrong with looking at the facts and the numbers mm. and mm. you know the things we we need as business tools. And then you kind of have to you have to step back and you have to make a, a, a shot call <laughs> from something that feels deep in you about what you should do, or what you shouldn't do. Yeah. And business leaders that get that right. Uh, the businesses do really well. The ones that get it wrong, they fail. Mm, uh, mm. There are a couple of large retail chains in the United States back in the 1950s. One of them was Sears. The other was called J.C. Penney, and the other was Montgomery Ward, and they were all competitors. Mm. They all had stores in the downtown city areas. People started moving to the suburbs, and J.C. Penney and Sears said, we're going to start building stores out in the suburbs. Mm. And, J- and the guys at Montgomery Ward said, "Now nah, we don't think that's a good idea. You know, we think that's, that's really not going to be where people buy. Today, Montgomery Ward is this big. You know what <laughs> I mean? Sears and J.C. Penney's got huge. Now they're in trouble because of the changes in business with the Internet and yeah. online buying and all that. But they've gone on for 50, you know, for a long time, you know, yeah. uh, as major retailers, where is the third retailer whose leaders didn't follow that impulse? Right. The business failed. So intuition is very important in business, mm. uh, whether we run little teeny businesses or whether we do big businesses. Mm. Uh, we have to make decisions based on what we really feel inside. So moment to moment, day to day in heart math, which is pretty complex, more than people would realize with mm-hmm. multiple markets, multiple products, for profit and nonprofit, all that's going on here. Mm. And for me, I have to constantly stay in touch with my heart during the course of the day in almost every meeting mm-hmm. to try mm-hmm. to see what's really going on and to guide the process as best I can, make the right contribution or not, yeah. and be sensitive to the timing of all that and do what I can to see into the future a little bit about where we need to go. Mm. And hopefully I'm going to get some of that right. Mm. Uh, and that's the, the best way I know to have that chance is to use my heart, not just my head. <laughs>
Yeah, beautiful. That's that's wonderful. That's a that's a fantastic um, analysis on, or you know, summary on on really what we're like with the conscious business leaders as to, yeah. um, you know, I tend to, I tend to wrap up this 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 uh, discussion point around asking, you know, what what do you think um, in your opinion? What what is a conscious business leader to you? Well, it's a business leader that's beginning to see that it's not all about profit. It's not all about, you know, the money, mm. that there's a lot of components to business, that the nature of business itself is to generate a profit. But a myopic focus on that alone is not going to continue to be the way to sort success in the future. Mm. I think as business leaders, any conscious business leader has to think about the impact that their business is having in the mm. society as a whole. They have to think about you know, the purpose of their business. And I think they have to put the purpose of the business out front. Uh, consumers today are beginning to change their buying habits rather dramatically. Yeah. Price is not, for example, always the way in which you can compete. Uh, quality even is not always the way you can com compete. Customers today, many are buying because of what they feel about a company. Mm. and about the feeling that they get. And it's about the company's purpose rather than just its products or its services. Because, you know, if I want to buy something, anything, I can go online today and I can find it a lot of different places and I can yeah. find it for different prices and this just goes on. Who am I going to do business with? Well, you know, uh, I know Amazon has pros and cons. I know that they looked at as, you know, some ways there's a big evil empire and some is a super efficient uh transformational business that changed society. Yeah. Uh, I buy a lot from Amazon and it's not just because of that. I buy a lot from them because early in my relationship with them, there was customer service uh, things that they did mm. that were extraordinary to me. <laughs> and so I realized, you know, I can buy this camera cheaper from this camera place online or I can get it from Amazon. And what I've learned is to trust the Amazon, even yeah. though it might be $20 more yeah, because there's okay. a certain aspect of what they do that they represent super efficiency and that there's an element built into that business that does allow for the customer to be cared for. Mm. So that's an example of you, you begin to adopt your relationship with your brand. Mm. So a conscious business leader has to be aware of that. That people are thinking differently, they're perceiving differently, they can see into a company. They can get a feeling from that company about what it is and what it does. And that the you know the blinders are off now. You know, consumers can see into what a company really is about and what they do more so than ever before. I think that business in the future has to look at its impact on society. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, and I know this is maybe very controversial on our call, I'm not a fan of business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not even a fan of the institution of it. Yeah. I think that yeah. you know the whole you have something and you and you need to get something from somebody else for them to get what you have, and then mm -hmm. you need to make sure the competition doesn't get you because yeah. it's all based on this sort of competitive model. Scarcity, fear, yeah. Scarcity, <laughs> fear, all that. And so the institution itself has to go through rather dramatic changes, yes. I think, and I believe yeah. it will yeah. uh, as we move forward. So conscious business leaders, I think, have to be leaders in wanting to see business done differently mm. and mm. wanting to see how it impacts the world in, its, in a better way. Uh, and I think that people are doing that. Yeah. So business leaders using not only their heads but their hearts yeah. Yeah. and working through the systems and beginning to change the systems uh, would be uh, the way of the future. Mm -hmm. And I've met with some of these guys that, you know, run these multi-billion dollar companies, you know. And I, I can't say the name of the company, but I was at an event about three years ago where they brought in – about 20 of us transformational leaders and 20 CEOs from these big companies, and mm. we did a weekend together. We were there to learn about their business, and they were there to learn about us and consciousness. Mm. 
And so I was paired with a guy who ran a company that was a multi-billion, jillion-dollar-a-year company, yeah. and they were a food product company. And at the end, we did an exercise where we were asked to tell each other what we what was most meaningful about the, the experience we had together. And what this guy said to me, he said, I realized that my company has to have a purpose. <laughs> that just selling this food product <laughs> yeah. all over the planet, it, yeah, you know, for however many billions, it wasn't enough that there was something missing in yeah. the company itself. And he got it, you know, now whether yeah, he could right. execute on that or not in his business culture is another story. Yes, yes. But at least, you know, he has a heart, right? That he's yeah. there, that he wants to change. Yeah. Another guy from another big multinational company said, I've made a commitment that we're not going to start all of our meetings anymore with numbers. Nice. That you walk into a meeting and there's the Excel spreadsheet. It starts yeah, there. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't start with a discussion around anything else. And so a lot of meetings like that happen. And there's a couple that go on here at HeartMath that begin that way. And I've been saying, no, let's still, I don't want to do that right now. Yeah, you know, I start all my meetings with Whiffles, which is called What I Feel Like Expressing. <laughs> yeah, well, there's times for, the, for that and times for the Excel spreadsheets That's and the it, project yeah. plans and all yeah. that stuff. But a lot of times I'll just say, no, not now. You know, it's not mm. what I want the meeting to be about, and we'll get to that. But mm. let's do something else a little different first. It's because I want to create the coherence in the in the environment to allow intuition to inform us yeah. as we look at numbers mm. and as we see trend graphs and, yeah. and the business tools that we have to have to run a business. I like the numbers, <laughs> but I don't always want to walk right in, and the first thing that we do is up on the screen comes yeah, the numbers. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's all we focus on for the next hour, you know. Oh, I can imagine the ripple effect of even just those those things that have those awareness pieces that those big multinationals have had. Um, you know, I think it's going to be you know that's where it, where it starts is that ripple effect where it's just like oh yeah. okay so yeah so thank you for that. <laughs> that's well, I think there's a bigger <laughs> momentum going on. What really interests me even more is that now there's a momentum of heart based world emerging. Uh, it's a, a world where the values of the heart are coming more to the forefront, and you mm. actually see advertising that reflects that. You know, mm. of how the the company is advertising in a way that's appealing to that part of humanity. Yeah. They're not doing that by accident. They spend a ton of money on focus groups and advertising <laughs> campaigns to figure that out. Yeah. But they're appealing to something. There's a, a movement of more heart-based qualities on the planet now, yeah. and the interest that I have, the work that I'm doing, is to try to facilitate that movement even more than I have for the last 25 years. Years. Mm, so yeah. at HeartMath, we're coming out with with new with new programs to do that. We're coming out with Ad Heart Facilitator, where people for a, a fairly low amount of money can join with people all around the world and have HeartMath technique and have the technology available to them that we have, mm -hmm. and be trained very simply and very quickly on how to practice and share that information. So they become yeah, right. approved, what's called approved Ad Heart Facilitators, and they are joining with thousands of people around the world. Other ad heart facilitators, mm -hmm. our coaches, our trainers, all those people <laughs> to try to bring this community together in a different kind of way to where we get more done to facilitate the needs of people. Yeah. Because for me, at the end of the day, business, consciousness, how the heart beats, I don't know. Uh, that's all fine. But at the end of the day, I want human suffering to be reduced. Yeah. I want people to have better lives. I want people to be happier mm -hmm. and fulfilled. And anything I can do to do that's why I do what I do. Yeah. Business to me is just a necessary vehicle here in 2017 to do some of that. Exactly. But it's not where my, my true heart lies. It's not really in the, the world of uh, business. It's in the world of uh, helping humanity. Yeah, and that's beautiful. You're a fantastic uh, 
uh, pillar of, of, of how, uh, you know, how we're moving into this space and, and being, um, you know, taking the lead with that and, and sharing that is, um, mm. yeah, on behalf of humanity, massive gratitude. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, uh, thank yeah, you. much needed in the business environments and, uh, and yeah, in the course, world. Yeah, of course, yeah. So it's, that's um, right, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, that's wonderful. Now, <laughs> if people want to find out, um, a little bit more about what you do or how they can get in contact with some of these techniques and programs and the things that you run, how do they find out more about, um, the amazing work you do. Heartmath.com. Yep. Or heartmath.org.com side. You've all the training programs, certifications, the technology mm-hmm. products, which we didn't talk about tonight, mm-hmm. uh, that train people to become more coherent, inner balance trainer, and M Wave Pro. They're all on the site. Yep. If you want some information about things like helping families and children and the underserved and police officers mm-hmm. and more science, go to heartmath.org. Okay. And so we have the two wings, and we're trying to, to really help humanity in a wholeness way, and that's why we have mm-hmm. to. So there are different sort of feelings between the two, but all related and part, part of the same mission. Yeah. So heartmath.com, heartmath.org, and, of course, the usual things that, that I would like people to do. Please follow us on Facebook. Of course, yes. You know, yeah. We have almost a million Facebook followers now. Mm-hmm. So Fantastic. Follow us on Facebook and stay in touch that way as well mm. because um, – Part of my own strategic initiative this year that's been uh, – it was actually assigned to me by the other executives, but mm-hmm. just because I had a natural affinity for it, is activation of our community. Mm-hmm. There's a huge community of heart math that needs to activate itself, and it needs to be brought together a bit differently. Yeah. So a lot of my interest now is how do I do that? Mm-hmm. Well, it starts with people – uh, who are listening to the show tonight, who are doing things like joining our Facebook groups or yeah. who are coming to our site and saying, please send me some information. Allow me to be on your mailing list. You'll yes. get pounded with tons of marketing information. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a way in which we can communicate. Yeah. So yeah. people do that. It builds a community. And then I'm going to feed that community a different kind of energy this year. Mm. And I want to try to create more of a movement, a true movement of adding heart to the world. And that's that's my business interest right now is how do I create an ad heart movement? Oh, beautiful. Well, I think uh, I think that you're, you've certainly been doing that, and it is going to be very exciting to see how you take that up another level. And um, and yeah. yeah, I mean, it, you know, with the with the conscious business leaders community, um, you know, it really is any, anything that they can do to to be a part of that movement, we would love to. So count us well, in. Well, thank you. <laughs> All right, I'm glad. Thank you very much, and also thank you for having me with you on this interview. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Also appreciate you for even doing all this. Just work on your part, and yeah. you're doing what you can to create a sense of community and belonging, and to facilitate change. Yeah. And um, it gives me an opportunity to share. So I hope that anyone listening to our conversation has gotten something out of it that, yeah. that you can yeah, help cool. in some way to uh, add some add something to their lives. And that's the purpose of doing the interviews for me. Wonderful. Yeah. No, they're all eagerly awaiting the uh, the interview, so I'm going to have to edit it and get yeah. it. Uh, well, not edit, not much editing to do, but just put put the intro in, and then uh, and then I'll get it out there to everyone. And uh, yeah, they're all looking forward right. to hearing what you've got to say. So that's well, wherever you are listening around the world, you know, I wish you all the very best. You know, this, it is an interesting uh, time, a time of great challenge, and also mm-hmm. time of, of opportunity to grow and accelerate and create something new. It just becomes a matter of moment to moment, day to day choice about which side of that equation we want to be on. And so I wish you all the best in that endeavor and uh, <laughs> hope that I'll run into you somewhere in, uh, in life. I'm sure we will. We-, we will certainly be following you and your work. So thank you so much again for making thank the time so in your busy schedule. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Take care, everyone.